Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. This is Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Brian Haydad and Joel T. Coleman Woo! here with you for a very special emergency edition of Thunder and Lightning. <laughs> The ver- the rarest of birds, a Saturday thunder and lightning. It's only our second one ever. Or Friday night. Friday night, yeah, it'll be up as soon as I as, as soon as we get done talking. Uh, we've we've only done one before, and that was when the NCAA stuff hit back in August. And I think it's sort of a fitting bookend here. We'll talk about our sponsors and everything in just a moment, but a very fitting bookend because that was sort of the beginning of the end for MSU football and for Joe Moorhead, and now we are at the actual end uh, as Joe Moorhead has been dismissed as the head football coach. At Mississippi State University. Before we go any further, I want to thank you guys for tuning in wherever you're getting your podcasts at supertalk.fm or wherever that might be. We appreciate all our listeners, especially our servicemen and women. I want to thank our sponsors, Strange Brew Coffee House and Churn and Spoon Ice Cream. Doing a, uh, they, they, they probably got some business off of the MSU media today. I know they got some off of you. Yeah, It's no been doubt. a busy day for us. A lot, a lot of, need a little extra shot of that juice, as uh, George Thorogood might say. So if you're uh, getting up early in the morning or you're headed up to Starkville tomorrow to watch the uh, – the basketball game is Mississippi State versus Auburn, which, by the way, a game against a top-12 team, big conference opener. We haven't said one word about it all week, I feel. And we're not going to on this podcast either, so just whatever happens, we'll talk about it on Monday. Um, but I want to thank Strange Brew Coffee House, Turn and Spoon Ice Cream, and, of course, our good friends at College Corner down there in Jackson and Ridgeland, actually, at the, at, by uh, Fleet Feet or over by the Half Shell in Flowood, or you can shop online at collegecornerstore.com. When you come to Starwell for these games, you know you don't want to, you want to go to the game. You want to go out to eat. You want to see your friends and family. You don't want to have to stand in line at one of the various stores here in town. So go to College Corner, pick up something from them, or just have it shipped to your house uh, via the the miracle of internet technology, and they will take care of you with the biggest and best selection of MSU merchandise you're going to find. If you need any MSU merchandise and you're uh, you know a uh, I don't know like a fifty long, <laughs> if you're about three XL. Probably a size 16 shoe. <laughs> there might be a yard sale in your future that you can look at. Uh, no, I'll tell you what. That man, as good as he is, if you go ask him for it, he'd hand it to you. He probably would just give it to you. <laughs> uh, Joe Moorhead. Two two seasons, and he, he has done it at Mississippi State. I have to look. I'm pretty sure this is the first time ever State and Ole Miss have made a change in the same year. In my lifetime, I know that it is. You know that that Sloan was out before Ballard, Ballard was out, and then Brewer or Ballard was out, then Felker, Felker was out before Brewer, Brewer was out, and then Cheryl. There's there's never been the same year. Yeah, so a historic I, I, a historic year. You're older than me, so I'll let you. Why's it gotta be? Yeah, I'm also smarter than you, Joel. I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't either. Uh, when it comes to street sense and, and like pop culture knowledge, you got me beat. Street sense? Yeah. I was born on the mean streets of yeah, Vicksburg, Mississippi. That's right. Me and Pete Gass <laughs> hanging out down there in Drummond Street, let me tell you. Uh, we started talking about Joe Moorhead being in trouble back in October of 2018, basically, when he, when he lost that game to Kentucky. Something wasn't right. And... There were moments where we bought back in, and there were moments where we sort of got back out. But the, the 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 overriding theme throughout the last two seasons has been it's never just been everybody's on board with Joe Moorhead. And today, everybody, anybody who was left on the train is now at the station because that, that era is now over. Yeah. 
there were several moments throughout the course of Joe Moorhead's tenure where, I mean, he, he just kept taking body blow after body blow in public fan perception and just never could really fully recover. I mean, there, there were some high moments where you thought maybe he's got a chance, but he could never really... I kind of think of Mike Tyson's punch out a little bit and like Joe Glass or whatever, like wobbling across the screen after, you know, little Mike punches him out or something. Like there were several moments where Joe was wobbling to the ground. There were several moments where it looked like he might climb back to his feet and just could never, could never really get this thing back where it needed to be. I mean, you talked about the Kentucky game. To me, the thing that stands out maybe as much as anything in his tenure that he never really could recover from, I think in some people's minds, could never get over the fact that he lost to Dan Mullen in that Florida game. I think I, I've, I've seen that brought up a bunch. Um, you carry that on throughout the year, and uh, the, the, bowl, the bowl loss to Iowa just looked terrible. <laughs> you know, they, the offense didn't move the football uh, throughout the season. This year, more offensive troubles, more things that just kept going against him, whether the NCAA stuff, um, the, the, the suspensions – more ineffective offense, and, and then just the off-field stuff the last month was the, the nail in the coffin. It, re- um, it really was just – it felt like something different every day with Joe Moorhead. It felt like we never had – and I've mentioned this a few times. We've never – we just never had a few weeks where it was all sunshine and rainbows, basically since that Kentucky game. Yeah. Uh, probably as good as it was for Joe Moorhead. Would you say that the high point of his tenure – other than the first two or three games, whenever everybody was pretty much on board, of course, right after the hire, everybody thought it was a great hire. State was, you know, doing pretty well. Started the year three and zero, won three non-conference games. Uh, other than those weeks, wouldn't you say the high point of his tenure was probably beating Ole Miss on the road last year? Yes. And then the whole fiasco on the field yes, and the because, whole play because, with class and don't take no beep well, off anybody. Well, that, and, that and getting to cuss out an Ole Miss athletic director yeah, to his face. That kind of that was sort of a moment that MSU fans dream about. Like, what Bulldog fan hasn't dreamed of being on the field with, with the Egg Ball trophy, Ole Miss having beaten Ole Miss, and getting to put your finger in their face and tell you exactly what you think of them. Yeah. You know, that was a moment. If he had won the bowl game, I think we're not having this discussion. I'll be totally honest with you. There are like four or five games he could have won that if he had just won that game, we're not having this discussion today. If he had beaten, uh, you, you mentioned um, Florida. Florida, we're not having this discussion today. If he had beaten uh, Iowa, I don't think we're having this discussion today. If he had beaten Tennessee or Kansas State, I don't think we're having this discussion today. But he didn't win those games. And again, if he had beaten Louisville, I don't think we're having this discussion today. So he had so many opportunities to just get a win and and build some credit up and he and I hate to say the word blew it but that's what happened he every time it got away from him yeah uh, you, you just summed it up pretty well and and when you consider the I don't even want to say perceived lack of control and discipline um I mean you got guys and, and it's not just the fight it's not just the Garrett Willie fight but you got guys just running mad on Twitter talking about the fight and talking about who's to blame and talking about this and talking about that. Uh, (laughs) There was no control over social media. There was no control, apparently, on the practice field. When you just start considering all of those factors, and and you're right, lost some of those critical games, 
John Cohen had no choice, I don't think. You and I sat here just a few days ago and and said that barring something incredible happening, we were going to be talking about a firing in November of 2020. I mean, John Cohen's a smart man. He had to sit there and know that. I think I think I said that Joe Moorhead was about to take a knife into a gunfight in 2020, and you informed me that, no, he was going to take a sandwich into a gunfight. <laughs> um, this was not going to... Barring, like you said, barring a miracle or something unexpected, some player breaking out that you didn't see happening, um, this was going to happen in November anyway. I said this when I joined you guys on Sports Talk Mississippi on Friday, but I'll say it again here. It's like you said... You've said it several times now. What must happen eventually should happen immediately. Yeah. And and John Cohen and, and Mark Keenum and company got to that point. It was going to happen eventually. There was no need to wait. And for the purposes of Mississippi State, there's never a great time, I don't guess, to fire a coach when it comes to the signees and stuff like that. But this might be best-case scenario because it seems like the vast majority, maybe most, I don't want to say all, because you never know. There may be one or two guys. But it seems like State's got a good chance to keep most of their signees. So you're not wrecking any recruiting class. You're going to keep most of your signees, and the new coach, whoever that may be, is going to have a full year to build up the next one. So yeah. you're not going to – State is still riding the, the recruiting momentum because Joe was a pretty darn good recruiter. Three straight top 25 classes. Those guys are going to be in the boat, and the new guys are going to come in and have a chance to continue that recruiting success. So, from a talent standpoint, you are set up to not really have much of a much of a drop off. Wouldn't right. you say? I mean, right. you could keep the. And you mentioned recruiting. It, it looks pretty, pretty much like everybody seems to be holding firm. Yeah. Everybody, you know, the guys who are supposed to enroll tomorrow or or, or I guess Monday, but be here tomorrow. Will Rogers, Jaquavius Marks. Uh, Janari Dean, uh, Emmanuel Forbes, they all said, we're, we're still here. Hail State, 100%. Uh, and that's good news. You know, I, I saw Pat Forty's article, which I thought was really poor. Uh, you know, not, 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 you know, not trying to be a homer here. I really am not. But I, I don't think there's any question that if MSU, if, if one of these players asks for their release, it's going to be given. Because I think MSU is smart enough. I hope that MSU is smart enough to realize the incredible PR fiasco they would have to deal with. Uh, and considering that we just had a huge PR fiasco in this state 24 hours ago, yeah, I think that you know I felt like that article was just sort of unnecessary. Well, John Cohen said at his press conference on Friday that all those guys, Mississippi State's going to help them out however needed. Right, but that, of course I'll- that's not you know. People are going to take that as, well, he didn't say he would release them. But I mean, what I mean, is he? What do you think he I, means? I don't want to put words into John Cohen's mouth. I could see Mississippi State maybe taking a stance where let us hire the new coach and talk to him, and then if you don't like him, you get your release. I could. Does that seem fair? Does that seem like something State may do? Just wait till we hire a coach, talk to him. I, you don't like him. That's we'll, fair to everybody, right? Yeah. I mean, I, you have to assume State will have a coach in the next week. That gives a player who decides to open it back up plenty of time to make an official visit. You know, because most of those guys didn't use up their official visits. A lot of them just came to State. So you've got an official visit to take. And, and you can get out there and find out who's interested in you. You, feel, you still basically have a full month. And it, here's the thing. I've, I've always said this about signing day is this. You don't have to sign on signing day. You can take another week. They don't, they don't make you it, it just became this thing to sign on that day, and that's fine. But if you want to take a, vac- a visit the week after signing day, they'll let you do it. So there's still plenty yeah. of time to make that decision. Yeah. So I, I don't have any question that if they if they want to go, 
a different route, MSU will let that happen. I'm not concerned about that. But at the same time, it doesn't look like a lot of those guys are going to do that. It looks like most of them are going to stand pat with Mississippi State. Um, could If all of the results had been the same, this is sort of the question I've asked you a bunch of times, if all of the results had been the same in, in terms of wins and losses, but it was defensively you were just losing games. And State was really putting up points and everything, and that Moorhead offense was what it came as advertised. Are we are we still having this discussion today? Uh, probably not. But this was so so much not as I'm trying to think of how to word this. Maybe Cohen worded it best today. Mm-hmm. Wins and losses matter. Yeah. And they mattered in this situation, but it wasn't just wins and losses. I think that's pretty much exactly what Cohen said. So, I mean, if the situation you just outlined was what it was, like it was the defense struggling, not not the offense, and you just could blame it on the defense, but yet all this off-the-field crap was still going on, Yeah. then yeah, I think we are still, still having this conversation okay. today. Because uh, I really do feel like right now, that some of the off-field stuff and some of the perception of that, and and I don't, I hate to say that that Joe lost control of that locker room because that's a strong thing to say, but it sure kind of seemed like sure kind of seemed like that. So maybe I am going to say that a little bit. Uh, I think that was the more of the factor than the win losses. Mm-hmm. I mean, because look this this year. Six and seven, state should have been better than six and seven. But this year was always going to be hovering around that seven and six. Maybe if you went, you know, if all things went right, you could have went eight and five this year, something like that. Like it was always going to kind of hover around that mark. Um, you lost Fitzgerald, uh, you lost three first rounders on defense. You, you're going to take a step back, kind of year. Not that you're going to be terrible or anything, but so I, I don't know that you. It's so much the wins and losses as it was the other crap. And that that other stuff wasn't really something that you ever saw under Dan Mullen. You you never questioned off-field issues. You never questioned effort. You questioned that so much the last couple of years, effort and preparation. That that isn't anything that state fans are used to to seeing and, and, and dealing with over the course of most of the last decade. And all of a sudden... Week in and week out, when Mississippi State took the field, one of the biggest question marks is, well, is State going to show up today? Yeah, became a running question. You never had to ask that in the last eight years. Now, you might lose some games. You may get you may lose some games. Well, no, Dan never really lost games he wasn't supposed to lose, except yeah. for South Alabama. That's the other thing, and, yeah. And you started losing games you weren't supposed to lose, and you started questioning preparation, and you started going into games – Whereas in the past, you always thought you had a chance in every game. You started going into games feeling like states, they're, they're probably going to find a way to lose it. And I don't know. The, the, the program in two years, I get from a, an outsider's pers- perspective that it looks like, what's, what's Mississippi State doing? You know, mm-hmm. two straight bowl games, 14 total wins in two years. That's, that's, that's decent. That's pretty good for Starkville. But when you're here like you and I and, and these listeners that we got right now are every single day, I mean, the blindest guy in the world could have seen that this thing was headed down. It was, it was going the wrong way. There's no question about that. We talked about games, you know, losing games you're supposed to win. I think, what, five times in his tenure he lost as a six-and-a-half-point favorite or better? 
And those are, that's what gets you, that gets anybody fired. Lost right? after every bye week or yeah. any time with long preparation. I mean, it was. And and like we talked about, you know, what three and twelve against Power Five teams. Uh, is that is that correct? Three and that's not right. I can't. But because he had, yeah. But I have the number in front of me. It's just just not, not great, not great. You know, and and unfair. I think it's unfair to put the Tudorgate stuff on him. Totally. I don't. I don't think that. But but at the same time, when you're the head coach, you have to wear a little bit of that. And then, like we say, we you know you see players just. It's unfair to blame him for it, but in the totality of everything, it's just another thing. It's kind of like, well, there's something else too. Yeah, it's like you can have, you know, if your house is falling apart, you know, you don't really care that the grass is dying. But <laughs> if the grass is dying, it's just another thing, you know. Yeah. So nothing ever really worked well for for him for whatever reason, and uh, it's a shame because, like we said, we like the guy, really nice guy. That was that was why I I, I, I sit here today and I will forever believe that the reason Joe Moorhead at Mississippi State didn't work was because, I'm going to use his own quote here. I can't remember which presser it was. He said he was a people pleaser. And I think he was more concerned with being, and look, I'm projecting a little bit here. So I'm not saying that I know this, but it sure seemed like, outside looking in, that he would much prefer his players and things to to be his buddies and and to like him and all that as opposed to being the coach that kind of struck fear in these guys you know it and uh, again i've said it a couple of times either on the big show or here but that the inmates kind of seemed to start to run the asylum a little bit and it seemed like started to take advantage of his niceness yeah and and i will forever believe when I look back on the Joe Moorhead tenure, the fact that he was so good of a guy, there, look, there's nothing wrong. I feel like you can coach and be a good guy, but you've got to have that switch that you flip and you almost become that stern daddy. Yeah. And I don't know that Cohen, or excuse me, <laughs> that Moorhead had that gear. <laughs> I, Cohen definitely has. You know, Cohen definitely has. That's why I chuckled. Like uh, Cohen definitely has the gear. Um, I don't know that Joe Moorhead consistently enough struck the fear into his guys. You know, Dan Mullen, a lot of the guys that played for Dan Mullen didn't exactly like Dan Mullen. Yeah. But you darn sure kind of respected the guy. (laughs) uh, You just look around this league, and that's the guys that tend to be successful, the ones that can strike a little fear. Saving, smart. There aren't a whole lot of coaches that that you can just say, that's a really good – I mean, one guy that kind of had some – Mark Rick was a guy that I always saw as a really good guy. But he was also the guy that could never take that next step, you know, in a program that had that kind of silly. Gus Malzahn strikes me as the nice guy. But at the same time, his program, you know – Hasn't taken that next step really. I mean, they they have they played for a national title in year one, but since then they've been a four loss team. So I mean, you, but you got to be. But I think at the same time, Gus was a, is a coach who can he can turn on the the juice when he needs to. I think Rick could too. So we'll have to see. Let's talk about what's next for Mississippi State. Uh, a lot of chatter early on about Billy Napier. That that rep, the reports coming out tonight. Brett McMurphy, Ross Dellinger. That is not going to be the case. Um, still seeing a lot of chatter on MSU message boards and things of that nature that. This is all agent-driven and everything else. This is all I'll say to that. Since Nick Saban sat at the podium and said he was not going to be the head coach at Alabama, has anybody just made these kind of statements and said, 
oh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not going to do this and then come out and do it. It would be a really bad look for somebody, right? Somebody. So I just think right now, I don't know how, I don't know that Napier is still in the mix. He might very well be. I could be wrong. It won't be the first time. But I, I think that he's not. I, the name that keeps popping up is Todd Grantham. And that is an interesting name to me because I always just sort of saw him as a, as a guy who really even, I don't know how interested he would be in being a head coach. And he's one of those, like a Joe Lee Dunn type. Just, I'm just happy to coach the defense kind of guy. Well, he interviewed this last time. He did, but I don't know. I don't know. I just, I just don't see it. I just don't see him. Maybe it's because he's never been one. But I don't know. And I'm, I'm not a huge fan of a defensive head coach. I never have been. I like the idea of, even though I know the most successful coach is a defensive coach, uh, just for me, I've always been like an offensive coach. It just seems to me that offensive coaches will tend to leave the defense alone more than a defensive coach will leave the offense alone more. Yeah, it does seem that way when you, when you think, think back through it. I mean, I think that the biggest knock on Todd Grantham I mean, not that he doesn't have a crap ton of experience, but he's never been a head coach at the D1 level, right? No. He's never been a head coach. No. And, I mean, I may be totally off base, but I just I get the impression that John Cohen wants to hire a guy that has coached at the D1 level, like head coach. So that would take Joey Judge off your list then? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, and I I may be wrong. I'm I'm not sitting here reporting this. This is my thought on Judge. That's just been been my impression. Yeah, we're just talking here. My thought on Judge was this. If State had hired, say, a Billy Napier two years ago and it just had not worked out, a proven coach, but it just didn't work out, and you fired him, then you could maybe go more of the experimental route that Judge would give you. But since you sort of went the experimental route before, you have to get a head coach this time. Yeah. So I will say with Grantham, to me, he does fit that kind of has a well, disciplined, stern edge. The first thing that Cohen said, that is Todd Grantham. Yeah. And so, I wonder, here's here's something, I don't know if you remember this or not. When they hired uh, Moorhead, Cohen was quoted as saying, I'm, I'm looking for a ball coach. Mm-hmm. And of course, that's his Twitter handle, Ball Coach Jomo. I can't help but wonder if, when he talks about it being a hard edge or something, are we trying, is he trying to tell us something in that? I, I'm reading smoke signals and, and things like that, I don't know, but. Uh, maybe, what if he just said straight edge? Well, CM, then CM, CM if, if CM Punk would have come, <laughs> I think we, you and I would have been thrilled, along with a few other people on the beat. I don't, I um, don't know how successful he would have been, but we would have all of a sudden, it. Steve Robertson is the second most tattooed person in the room <laughs> when when CM Punk walks in. You know, his CM Punk's uh, Twitter handle used to be Coach, wasn't it? Or is it Coach up there? I, yeah, yeah, I think he did. Ah, ah, we're putting ah. two and two together. <laughs> we're, yeah. we're, we're getting Mullen to Dallas, and we're getting CM Punk to Mississippi. CM Punk, State. yeah. Uh, there's a lot of people listening right now. It's like, who the heck CM Punk, bro? That's your. Uh, that's a you problem, not a, not a Joel and Haydad problem. <laughs> um, I don't know who it's going to be. I, 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 I'm going to come out and just tell you straight up. I don't know who it's going to be. I, you know, I, I've talked to some different people. You know, regarding Napier, regarding Hudspeth, regarding Grantham. Nobody. Some of the things that Joe. Gosh, that's the second time I've mixed the two up for whatever reason. John, some of the things that John said in his press conference on Friday, um, it kind of would point you a little bit the Hudspeth way because he was yeah. talking about somebody that loves Mississippi State, that yeah. knows the lay of the land a little bit. Uh, that could also point you to Judge. Uh, yeah, it could. Um, J- Judge, I'm telling you, to me, I, again, I'm, I'm just we're just spitballing here. That's the Cohen hire, though. The off-the-radar guy. You know, the, and here's the thing with with Judge. I honestly, think he'd be a good coach. 
The problem is nothing is proven. He hasn't even been a coordinator. He's never had to call any kind of plays. But he's worked, you know, we're talking about Napier working with Dabo and Saban. This guy's worked with the master, Belichick. All he would really need to do is sort of go the, the Orgeron route. Imagine going the Orgeron route at, at his age as opposed to Orgeron's age. Come in, CEO, we'll set up the system. This is how we're going to do things. Go get two coordinators. You would have to spend money with Joe Judge. You would have to have a really high assist because you need to go get experienced guys who can recruit and implement what he wants to do. He, he would be a very interesting guy. And I think he sort of like Joe Brady in that I think it's a – High risk, high reward hire because there's just not enough, you know, on paper. But I don't think you can take a high risk hire right here. Is Joe Brady an option? I I don't think so. I don't think the state has the talent to run that scheme. To be honest, I don't. I don't think Garrett Schrader is is well, is, just, is like Joe Burrow. I mean, do you want to? But here's, here's the thing: do about you want to take a chance with a guy? That's it, it, it's a gamble. It's another high risk, high reward guy. the The thing is, though, with him. You could. I mean, he's only thirty. Yeah. You could. You could get 10, 12 years out of the guy. He's still forty-two. He could still like go out and find another big job. But you could get a long career out of that guy. I, I know that this name hadn't been the favorite amongst the MSU message board crew. I don't believe. Right. But I maintain that I think that the best football coach that is one of these realistic names that's been kind of thrown around a little bit might just be Bill Clark at UAB. Uh, when you consider the circumstances he's had to deal with and he just wins and wins and wins and wins, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not convinced he isn't the best one of the bunch. He he doesn't have the – no one's really been pushing him like Napier uh, or, or some of the other names. But I don't know. For my limited football knowledge, to me, that's not a bad way to go. Right. Bill Clark, he, me, w- he wouldn't excite anybody. Nobody's seen Which Bill- is crazy, right? The guy took over a program that was dead and is now winning 10 games a year there. And, he, you know, he's smart. He's obviously – he's another, another another case of a defensive guy, obviously. You know who would be ecstatic would be Matt Wyatt, Prattville guy. But <laughs> that said, I, it's crazy that Bill Clark's name doesn't come up more. He, he I think Bill Clark has made it clear to his agents, like, these, these are the jobs I'm interested in. When they come open, go find them. But – I'm not leaving just for anything. Like I can stay here forever. I mean, he is a hero there. As long as, he, as, long as he's winning, he can stay there forever. So I, I, I've always said that he, that Auburn is the, the, the job that I think is the one, right? Because eventually they're going to run out of patience with Malzahn. And when that happens, then he's right there. But I don't know if that's the case. I, I think this weekend will be a fun one for sources. I think a lot of we'll be seeing a lot. A lot of different stuff. We'll see what happens. Nate... It, this is what I'm going to say about Billy Napier. He and his people are lying to somebody. Somebody's getting played. It's either MSU people or it's UL people. I don't know which one it is, but it's it's one of them. The more I think about this, though, if he has turned down state, why hasn't? Well, I, I guess the fact maybe he may be waiting to see if Baylor comes open. He, I think he I, is. I was going to say why why has he not? Why has it not come out? Oh, the, the extension is finalized yeah. now. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the thing, though. If if I would think that if Matt Rule's going to leave Baylor, let's put the dominoes in place here, that's going to have to happen in the next few days, right? Because he's going to want to leave and give the new coach time to get in there and do some they need They need help on the recruiting trail. They didn't sign a lot of folks. They got work to do. They got to get a coach in there and do it quickly. 
So let's say Rule gets out this weekend, then you could see Napier maybe make a move to Baylor. Which again, you know, if you look at what he tweeted tonight, he didn't say he was staying at Louisiana. He just said he wasn't interested in Mississippi State, according to what Brett McMurphy has tweeted and what Ross Dellinger has tweeted. So, you know, very possible he could go a different way. It feels like by Monday, by maybe Sunday even, we're going to know for sure with Billy Napier. Because if he's coming, there'll be too much smoke. Somebody's going to say something, and it'll be out there. If he's not coming, there won't be anything. And they're just everybody will be like, well, they said on Friday he wasn't coming. So I find it hard to believe, though, that a guy that could probably, at the very least, triple his salary mm-hmm. would just be like, eh, I'm not too interested in that. Here's here's the thing. Without knowing that if you, you, well, you never mind the other thing. Else. Billy Napier knows that as long as he's again, as long as he's winning, he's going to stay a hot commodity. Well, that's a gamble though. That is a gamble, but it's one you feel like you can take. Louisiana is a good program to win at. That that area of the country, ton of players. Napier's got recruiting connections all over. He's got a good staff. You know, he's not going to be hurting anytime soon. Stay down there, you make a million dollars a year, whatever it is, and then when something that you really want opens up, it's there. You know, maybe he's just not interested. Here's the thing. Selling coaches on coming to Mississippi State to play Auburn, Alabama, LSU, Texas A&M every year is a tough sell. So, you know, not every coach, and it's got nothing to do with, oh, well, he's just a, you know, he, he's a wimp and he can't do it. He's just smart. That's smart. Yeah. Why Why risk it? Why risk becoming a Joe Moore? One, that comes one in gets- coach in MSU's history since the 50s has left here for a better job. One. So, yeah, I don't have a problem with Billy Napier being smart and saying maybe that's not the, the, the right stop for me. As opposed to Baylor, who was a game away from playing in the playoff this year. You know, who do you got to beat over there? Oklahoma and Texas. You got to win two games. As long as, you know, if you can win those two games, you can probably win the rest of them too. So, we'll see. All right. Back on either Sunday afternoon or Monday or whatever. Depending on what MSU uh, does against Auburn on uh, on Saturday afternoon at the Humphrey Coliseum. I don't know. What if there's like a coach hire tomorrow? We have a Sunday, a Saturday emergency pod. We could have know. seven days of Who knows? seven days of thunder and lightning. Sounds Man. like one of the plagues. This was a long coaching. People, search. our wives would probably tell you that that is a plague. <laughs> no doubt about it. Uh, you know, if this this thing went long enough, we could. It'd almost be like Noah's Ark. You know, forty days and forty nights or something. Of, of thunder, of and, thunder lightning. and lightning. It could be something. It could be something. All right. We'll talk to you guys again uh, when we talk to you. For Joel T. Coleman, I'm Brian Haydad. Thanks for listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Holler if you hear me. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.